Hey guys, welcome back to Silicon Street, the podcast on finance, technology, and entrepreneurship geared towards college students and young professionals. My name is Michael Cutler, and today I'm joined by my co-host, James Barham. If you're new to the podcast, go ahead and follow us on Spotify and LinkedIn, as we will be posting each week. And definitely check out our existing podcast. Today, we are excited to welcome Conrad Billets to the show. Conrad graduated as a biochemistry major from Boise State University in 2009, and then received an MBA from the University of Notre Dame in 2013. Since then, Conrad has built and led several startup companies over the past decade, and has received many distinctions for his entrepreneurial work, including appearance on Shark Tank, being listed on Forbes 30 Under 30 list, and has been featured in numerous media outlets, including Forbes and Entrepreneur. Currently, Conrad is the founding partner of Outliant, a 250-person full-service digital agency serving startups through their enterprise clients. In addition to business services, Outliant also runs a venture studio, which Conrad oversees. Some notable ventures in their studio include Winona, a telemedicine company, redefining menopause with hormone replacement therapy shipped directly to your door, as well as Hard Cider, a a rooftop truck camping system designed and manufactured in-house. Conrad is also finishing an executive leadership program for top design leaders in London this month at the Future London Academy. So without further ado, Conrad, welcome to the show. How have you been doing? Hey, how's it going? Good, good, good. Thank you again for coming on. I'm very excited to to hear from you. Obviously, from that uh, from that background, you've had a lot of awesome experiences throughout uh, the kind of tech and, and startup world. And um, so I guess just to, to start things off, if you wouldn't mind, um, just walking us through your story from from your point of view and your journey through the startup world this far. Sure. sure. Yeah. And I'll just uh, start it, I guess, after business school. Um, I guess during business school, I started working on my first company. It was called Framery. Uh, I, was in, I was in the eyewear space. Um, and I worked on that for about four years, had a bunch of successes. Uh, I really got burned out. Um, after about four years, I just needed to do something else. I was didn't really take good care of myself uh, in that first company, at least not mentally. Um, so I just needed to kind of step away. Um, so I stepped away from that, uh, went and did some work in the solar industry, and then um, for about a year or so. And then while I was doing that, or at the end of that, I wanted to move something more into tech. Um, so basically reached out to four close buddies of mine uh, that had been running other companies, had different skill sets than myself, uh, and just kind of pitched the idea of starting a, you know, a digital agency that's uh, pretty multidisciplinary. Uh, I'm a designer, you know, we have two engineer uh, founders, um, one analytics and data founder, uh, and one really strong growth marketer. So kind of came together and said, let's form an agency. Um, that sort of served two purposes. Uh, the first goal is to create a world-class agency, uh, working with clients to help them in strategy, design, technology, growth, really whatever that is. Uh, and the second purpose of it um, is to use our agency to build companies in a venture studio type of model. So in that model, uh, the founders of, of Outliant, me and my business partners, we look at interesting plays uh, in different industries and decide if we want to uh, create ventures in those industries. So, um, you know, we've had some good success so far and um, seems to be working. And yeah, that's kind of where I'm at today. 
Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Certainly doing a lot of cool stuff and um, obviously have a lot on your plate with, with all that you're doing. So kind of just wondering what does a typical day in the life of Conrad Billis look like? And uh, maybe how do you kind of make time for, for life outside of work with, with all that you're doing? Yeah. Um, so it's really changed for me probably over the past decade where I'm much more uh, diligent about the hours that I work. I really try to work 40 hours a week if I can. It's not always possible, obviously, but I really shoot for that. Uh, my days are pretty boring for the most part, I would say. Uh, you know, I wake up around six-ish, typically go for a run, do something, move my body in the morning, eat breakfast, and then basically plan out my day. Um I work off of, you know, objectives that I'm trying to get done on a, a yearly, quarterly, monthly, weekly type of a basis. So I kind of structure my day that way. I look at, you know, review calls, everything. Then I just kind of execute on my plan that day. And at the end of the day, I try to turn off my computer uh, and try not to get on Slack too much for the rest of the day. Sometimes it happens, but I do try to unwind and get eight hours of sleep and then wake up and do it again, to be honest. Uh, I love routine. Um, so that's kind of, kind of what I do. I, I do find that I, I do my best work when I'm training for something though. So, uh, I'm a runner. I trained at the ultra distance right now. Um, so I'm training for a hundred mile race, um, at the end of the year. And I find that like that type of training is really good for me and kind of keeps me disciplined and focused on work, uh, as well and hitting the right hours. So yeah, that's kind of how I do my days. Awesome. Very cool. Um, so, yeah, I think you touched on it a little bit, but could you dive in a, a bit deeper into what Outlined is and then kind of how this idea, idea came to you and and then what your value-adding proposition is for, for clients? Sure. Yeah, so Outlined, we're a full-service digital agency. We work with companies of all sizes um, to really help them evolve and grow uh, as fast as possible. Uh, so our core offerings in that are strategy, design, technology, and growth. So we could be doing anything from doing a rebrand for a client uh, who's looking to update their brand strategy um, and their appearance in the market. Let's say they're getting ready to go raise a round of financing. You know, hey, we want to change our brand. We're getting ready to raise Series B. We'll come in there, you know, do their brand work, do their website, design their website, build their website. Um, or it could be a large enterprise that's looking to do a migration from some software stack to another software stack. They bring us in to do that. Um, we do growth marketing for companies. So, you know, helping them get their first one user to 10,000 users, um, really a wide range of, of stuff we do. Um, I'd say the, the main reason that people like to work with us, um, the reason we've been able to grow, uh, really three things, probably the first is expertise. So, we have a very passionate founding team with a lot of expertise in tech um, and everybody on our team is really an expert. Um, but, you know, people that work here from, you know, Sonos, Tesla, Google, like all these kind of bigger name places, we have really good talent um, that has seen your problems before. Um, the second thing is culture. From day one, we've been completely remote. We have people all over the world um, and we've been named by Forbes is one of the top 30 remote places to work, which we're very proud of. So I think culture is another reason that, that people like to work with us and a value proposition for us. 
and then probably process. So we obsess over our process of working with clients and um, finding them solutions. Um, <clears throat> and I, I think between those three, you know, expertise, culture, and process, those are probably the big reasons people enjoy working with us. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah, that was that was helpful kind of hearing your background, hearing a little bit about outline. So now I think I think what would be uh, really helpful for our for our listeners, I think a lot of people are interested in breaking into startup world, maybe coming up with an idea that that could be the next big thing and getting getting to work on that. But a lot of people struggle with with kind of that first step and and, and thinking of that idea that that has some real real value add. Um, so I guess could could we maybe go into use Winona as an example, but just think about um, how you how you come up with business ideas and then and then maybe any suggestions for for our listeners who are who are trying to think think a little bit better in this way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think like the first thing for me is you have to always be curious. So the founders that I've met that are really good at the early stage stuff, I, I find that that's like a characteristic that they all have. They're, they're genuinely curious. They like to know how things work. They like to know how people work. Um, so I think like that deep level of empathy uh, and curiosity is very important when you're thinking through ideas because otherwise what you end up doing is you end up solving problems that are in front of you, which is great, right? You can solve the things that are around you. But I think as you progress uh, as an entrepreneur, um, you start to go after things that you don't, you know, you don't know a lot about or problems that you don't face. And I think that that's where some of the best businesses come from. And I find that if you're not really in, you know, if you're not solving a solution for yourself, you have to under, you have to ask so many more questions and you have to really dig down and be, you know, and to, to understand what that problem is. Um, so I'd say that's probably one of the bigger things uh, outside of, you know, having deep understanding of markets, really understanding different markets, I think is important. Uh, we get a lot of that from Outliant, which is kind of nice. You know, we have all these clients in different industries. We know a ton now about these industries, a ton about the problems that these industries face. And I think once you understand those problems, then you can really start to think of those ideas on how to solve those. Um, I'd also say like a really good understanding of business models. Um, different ways companies make money, different structures, uh, I think is, is very important. Um, I always am a fan of any companies that use a little business model innovation, change something up, do something just a little bit different, find a different way that they charge the user, charge the, the customer for it. Um, so I think it's taking, you know, what you see in a different industry and applying it to a new industry is, is another really good way to think through ideas. Um, and then probably just staying excited um, about, you know, new ideas as they come in. Uh, I find that I like to keep a journal, write them down and come back to them. And those ideas that I continue to come back to and get excited about are usually the ones that I start to work on. Interesting. Okay. Very cool. <laughs> Sorry. So then after you have these ideas, I guess, I guess you touched on it a little bit there, but you come back to them. And if you keep coming back to them, they may be the ones that you want to pursue. Could you speak a little bit more about how you take these ideas and you, you kind of determine whether they're something that could actually be a real value add in the future or whether they should probably yeah. just stay an idea? Yeah. I have to um, understand what the problem is. Like it has, the problem has to be easy to explain. If it's like some difficult to explain problem, 
it, the business might end up being difficult, I found in my experience. So it has to be like problems, easy to understand. The solution makes sense. Um, I'd say the next thing is like big market. I go after big markets. Give yourself a shot with these ideas. Uh, this, you know, if you go after small markets, it's just harder to find success. Go after big markets, go after big problems. Um, I think that gives you the upper hand in a lot of ways. Um, it has to, you, I'm a, I really like more traditional building, like more traditional businesses. So I think that like understanding how the business will make money and, and just really basic business modeling will give you a big advantage. Um, the other thing I'll look for is if it's, if I think I can sell something uh, differently, either in a new way or a way that people aren't currently doing, I see that as a, a that usually will make it further in the process for my ideas um, to take to fruition. So I'd say, yeah, kind, kind of combination, bigger market, understandable how you're going to make money and, you know, uh, something I think I can sell. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you, you mentioned business modeling. Um, would you mind kind of explaining to our audience what business modeling is, like how you approach creating a business model for, um, you know, the ideas you have and the companies you're, you're looking to create? Uh, and sure. I know I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely check out business model generation if you want to like to get the basics on business modeling. Um, but essentially you're just like figuring out how the business is going to run, what the problems are, who are suppliers, how you're going to make money, how you're going to potentially market it, um, all of that kind of foundational stuff. I think it is very, very important to do that, especially the first couple of times you're starting companies um, or the first time you're, you're going through ideas, really kind of modeling them out and finding ways to get creative, uh, I think is is very, very useful. After you do it, you know, five or 10 times, you start to kind of do it in your head a lot when new business opportunities come across your desk, you're constantly thinking through, all right, how's this work? Um, but definitely if you're like first time doing businesses, I think it's a great starting point. And just to clarify, like when, when you're creating a business model, is this something that comes like a, like a diagram on a piece of paper? Or I know you kind of mentioned something like as you get better at it, it comes kind of as a vision in your head. Uh, but just trying to kind of break down yeah. what, what that looks like. I mean, like. definitely document everything. If you get the book, Business Model Generation, they'll walk you through how to do it. Uh, you'll learn it probably in entrepreneur programs at Notre Dame as well. I believe we did. Um, but yeah, that's that's definitely a necessity. I also believe in actually modeling out the pro forma financial statements. So I want to understand as much about this business as I can, so I can figure out all the ways you can de-risk it, right? I mean, so many businesses fail. You do these things to try to give yourself an advantage in the market. So the more you can do up front, I think the better, because I don't want to waste three or four years of my life on a project that if I would have just taken an extra month or two to like actually thought about the business and really understand it, I might've saved myself four years. Um, so I definitely recommend doing that foundational stuff for first time people, for anybody, to be honest, even if you have a company now, it's worthwhile to be sure that you have all that foundational stuff in place because it also helps you explain your business to new people as they come into it. Um, so it's just a further understanding of what you do. 
Yeah, for sure. That, that makes a ton of, ton of sense and appreciate that cl- clarification. So now like once you have this solid idea, you have the, your business model documented um, next, like how do you go about scaling your business? Um, for example, like when do you know it's the right time to hire people for certain roles uh, that you can't yeah. take on by yourself anymore? So big or... jump from having a business model then yeah. to scaling. Uh, there's a lot of very painful years in between there. Um, but uh Honestly, it's everything is so case by case when it comes to scaling and growing companies. It depends on your business model. It depends on how you're financing it. It depends on what your goals are. I think more than anything, just start to build your network of people you trust that you can ask questions to. Um, Find mentors wherever you can. Find peers wherever you can. uh, And just learn as much as you can. Read all the books, all the popular startup books. I think that's kind of the most important because everything is so situational Um, and it should be approached situationally as well. You shouldn't just like take someone's advice and do it necessarily. Right. (laughs) Um, So that would be probably my biggest recommendation for that. For sure. And and you kind of mentioned these painful years in between, you know, creating your business model and getting to scaling. Like what do those two years look like? And, um, in your opinion, like you've obviously been successful in, in these stages. Um, what what are kind of your secrets to success and in, in getting from business model to being able to scale? Yeah. Oh, wow. There's a lot. Um, you know, you have to have obviously good team, smart people that can figure out problems because you're basically just going to get problems all the time that you're going to have to figure out. Right. And you want to have a good, you know, team that can solve those problems. Um <clears throat> Beyond that, there's, it's just so, so much can happen in those first two years, right? You have a model. That's great. Well, then you go to implement it and takes longer to build the tech or, you know, the users aren't adopting it the way that you want. So it messes up all of your financials, uh, or you can't really figure out how to onboard new users or you can't figure out how to sell your product. So there's all of these big risks in those first few years of like, is there a business model there? Can we find product market fit? Right. So it's really that finding of the product market fit that determines whether you can scale or not. And a lot of companies won't find it. Um, and sometimes you have a great company that should, and they don't, and you have a company that shouldn't and they do. And it's like, it's some, there's so much luck involved (laughs) in business, to be honest. Um, so yeah, I mean, that stage there is just all messy. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so then thinking a little bit about maybe companies moving in the right direction, it's time for to look for funding. Um, can you speak a little bit about the funding process and your your take on that for for startup companies and then maybe how this has looked for your for your different startups? Yeah. So your fundraising strategy is going to be really based on your business model. Um, So for different companies that we have, some of them have raised a little bit of money. We try to basically only need like one round of financing, if any, just to kind of de-risk the build stage of it um, and start some initial marketing. Uh, So, you know, if it's a tech SaaS company that you know, the ones you hear about raise 
$10 million seed round, whatever they're probably not anymore, but you know, $5 million seed round, 10 million a, um, those companies are very different. Uh, I, I personally am not a big fan of that type of business model. I, I like strong business models with good unit economics. They can use cash flows to grow um, and find a way to get to profitability as quickly as possible. Profitability is cool again. Um, so I don't, I don't necessarily prescribe to, and I've raised capital for several of my businesses. Um, and I think if you talk to a lot of founders, they, sometimes it's better to just grind out a couple of years and not raise money and grow slow and have control and just be away from that game altogether. You know, with our companies that we own most of, we make the rules, you know, we decide how those companies run. We don't need cash from investors. When markets turn, it doesn't affect us. Um, and building those businesses over, you know, five years, 10 years, 15 years, those things grow to be very big. Um, and your liquidity events hopefully are very big as well. So I would just be cautious about raising money or trying to create a business that needs money. Um, see if you can actually build it uh, yourself, either self-fund it uh, or just put together friends and family around. Um, that would be what I recommend. Interesting. Cool. Um, okay. So thinking about process when, after you've kind of created that, that viable product that you are, have some conviction in, in the idea that the customers are going to have demand for it. How do you kind of begin to take this product to market? Could you speak a little bit to that maybe from your past experiences, how that worked? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm usually involved in most of that process for every, well, I'm involved in that process for every company I've founded. Um, as a designer, I start asking those questions way sooner than yeah, it's ready to, to launch. Right. So it comes from, you know, understanding the real problems of uh, your customers and what you're going to be solving so that you can you know, create good marketing material for that for launch. Uh, so understanding them, um, doing customer development while you're actually building your products, so just talking to customers as you're building is very important. The last thing you want to do is get everything ready, go live and expect sales to roll in. <laughs> I've done that. <laughs> that shit does not work. <laughs> Let me tell you, that was my first company and that did not work. You need to know exactly how you're going to be marketing this, how you're going to sell it. You need to be testing your ads. For our telemedicine company, we built multiple fake brands and ran traffic to fake landing pages to measure conversion rates and metrics to understand which of these would be the best option for us to pursue. Uh, like you have to get kind of in, intense with the marketing and customer development. Um, I think that that's like figured out just as much as the product is while you're building the product. Um, so I, it's, I, I wouldn't say it's like, how do you, uh, you know, you have the product, you're ready to go. I would say, no, you're doing it the whole time you're, you're building the product. Um, gotcha. Interesting. Okay. So you touched on on marketing a little bit there. Could you dig a little bit deeper into how, how you approach marketing and, and when you, you think about spending that money and, and using that capital for that? 
Uh, yeah, it depends like, on how you're going to acquire customers. So for all of our businesses, we plan on acquiring customers through paid advertising um, so that we can scale our business and really understand the unit economics of it better. Uh, so, you know, your any of your social platforms. Um, so for us, that typically means we start with very, very low ad spends and start to fine tune um, our our, our marketing. Uh, and it, it, you know, it depends if somebody's going after, you know, they have a big following on social media and they're getting sales that way, or somebody plans to use email marketing to get sales or SEO, like uh, word of mouth. Like it really depends on what your marketing strategies are. Um, and that just kind of depends on how you plan to acquire customers. So for us, we do everything through paid because we know it's scalable. Uh, and it works. Um, so I tend to go after business models that, that work that way. Absolutely. It makes a ton of sense. And we've kind of run through um, the, the whole whole life cycle of, of, a, of a business and a startup and how that's looked like for you. And I guess like the final stage of that is is exit. So just wondering like your your views on how you, how you know it's time to kind of exit and maybe sell your company um, and start on a new project and uh, maybe how that's been for you and and kind of your take on, is it a feeling or is it kind of just knowing when it's time to get out? Yeah. I mean, I think it kind of, there's different ways to exit, right? So outliant, I think me and the founders, we, we want this to be a you know very, very large company uh, with employees in the thousands, ideally. So I think we would just probably hold it forever or hold it for a very long time. We have no intention of selling something like that, but then we have our other ventures that we're building up to, you know, either be acquired or, you know, go through some sort of an IPO. So, um, yeah, I, I think it just kind of depends on, on what your goals are uh, and depends on where you're at. If you're, if I am or anyone else is fortunate to have that decision, you know, um, so yeah, I, you know, I guess it just depends. Yeah, I, you'll know it. I think that it's like, if you can see the growth trajectory of your company and you're going to know best if like you should sell it or not, you know, that's why when we see, you know, Zuckerberg try to buy Snapchat for something crazy, you know, years ago, and everybody's like, why would you not take that? And it's like, well, the CEO knows the metrics. He knows how fast they're growing. He knows what he thinks it's worth. I think you just figure it out on your own and you sell when you get a price that works or just hold it and have be a lifestyle business. Absolutely. Yeah, that's interesting. And we've kind of, we've kind of touched on, on all the parts of the business life cycle. And then um, thinking about your experiences, we, we know it's, it can't always be butterflies and rainbows. So kind of from an entrepreneur's perspective, uh, failures is inevitable. Um, could you speak a little bit about your your personal views on failure, and then how it's how it's influenced your career as a serial entrepreneur? Uh, sure. Yeah. So I'm pretty risky, to be honest. I'm not really afraid of failure. Um, I see it as sort of a necessary evil, but it, the way I kind of view entrepreneurship is not it's not what you see on, on YouTube and these gurus with their get rich quick schemes and things like that. That's really not what it, what it is. And the people that I know that are great serial entrepreneurs, it's not like that for them either. It's really a marathon. Um, 
you know, it takes decades to really get good at. And uh, so I think that that's one of the things that comes with anything doing, you know, doing anything for a long time is you're going to fail. And especially if you're really pushing yourself to see what you're capable of, uh, you're going to fail. And I think you just have to take that and learn from it. Um, you know, I failed a lot of small times and a lot of big times over the past decade. And after each of them, I really just like to take a step back and reflect and see, you know, what did I do wrong? What assumptions did I make that I shouldn't have made? What do I need to change? How can I become better? Um, and yeah, approach it that way. It's just a very iterative process. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And obviously like you've learned, learned a ton along the way, um, learn, learn a lot through your failures. So, um, I guess just like one, one question to leave, to leave our listeners with is like, what is, what is one piece of advice you can give someone who's maybe thinking of about starting their, their own startup? What should they look out for, um, through your experience? What have you, maybe what's the greatest piece of advice that you've gotten and, and learned along the way? Yeah, I would just recommend you go do Y Combinator's free startup school, to be honest, if you want to learn really good foundation of how to think about companies and build companies. I'd also buy the book Disciplined Entrepreneurship. Uh, you know, they teach that at MIT and things like that. Very good program and very good way to think about um, building companies with a lot of primary market research. Uh, and a lot of customer development. So I would really recommend those two things. Um, and then I would say, find a good founder, a couple good founders that you trust that are different than you. Um, those would be my biggest recommendations. Yeah, no, that's great to hear. And yeah, no I, I got, I got another question um, that, that I'm, I'm personally just curious about, but um wondering like your experience on, on Shark Tank, how, how's that um, as an insider, like how, how are you, how are you given that opportunity? And, um, maybe just like as someone that's gone on the show, I've obviously watched a bunch of episodes. I know probably a bunch of our listeners have as well, but as, sure. as someone who's actually been in there and been on it, how, how was that for you? Yeah, it was great. Um, I, I always just tell people that it's reality TV. It's different. Like what you talk about is different. You know, they reorder things. It's, it's reality TV. So take it with a grain of salt it's not really how startup companies or the startup world works at all. Uh, very different, but great opportunity to go on there and get some free airtime. So, uh, so yeah. That's awesome. Do you, do you remember what season you're on just for our, our listeners? Who I, might don't, want to go watch it? I don't even think I've ever watched it. <laughs> well, that's good to, hear <laughs> to be honest. If, yeah. That's funny. That's funny. Well, if, if you, those listening, if you have some free time, go, Go give that a give that a, a watch. I'm um, sure it's awesome. And um, now I guess to kind of go into our final portion of the podcast, our our rapid fire question section, which is just five short, fun, easy questions, um, just kind of to pick your brain and hear about your kind of you as, yeah, as a person. So, so first of all, um, what's your favorite movie or, or TV series? Ooh. Um, I am a big fan of psychological thrillers. Um, so pretty much anything that a 24 makes, uh, I, I will watch. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's Say awesome. that's my, my guilty pleasure for a student. <laughs> awesome. Uh, what is your most impressive or unusual skill or talent that most people do not know about you? Or maybe they do know about you. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess we kind of talked about it before, but I run really far. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess that's unusual. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so yeah. 
if you could go back and take any class in college, uh, what would it be and why? Yeah, I think one of my favorites was organizational behavior and dynamics. I love understanding how organizations run and the culture behind them. Um, and it's something I was passionate about. I <clears throat> remember in business school, I'm still passionate about now. So I just think that would be an interesting one to take again, given what I know about, about it from hands-on experience. So, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next, what is your dream vacation or weekend getaway? Nice. Uh, I love <laughs> the mountains, um, preferably above the tree line. Uh, so yeah, I love, yeah, anywhere in the mountains, deep in the woods, uh, long hikes, mountaineering, sky running, any of it. Yeah. yeah Away from awesome. civilization. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the mountains as well. I go to Aspen, Colorado every year and um, just absolutely love, love hiking and, and the views and all that good stuff. Uh, so yeah. lastly, um, what is the most, what is, what is your most interesting hobby or passion you have outside of work? I know you kind of touched on running, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. honestly, just probably outdoor sports in general. I ski a lot. Um, was able to do some good heli skiing this year, which was really fun. Um, yeah. Running, awesome. backpacking, cool. uh, just anything outdoors yeah. for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome, Connor. Well, that's uh, that's all we have for you today. Uh, once again, really appreciate you coming on. Um, I know I absolutely learned a ton about kind of the whole business life cycle, and uh, you've been through been through it all and have some really cool insights. So, uh, appreciate that a ton. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you all so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me on. All right, everyone, that about wraps up our conversation with Conrad Billets about Alliant. We hope you enjoyed our conversation on Conrad's career journey that led him to end up founding Alliant, uh, as well as the different stages of building a business. And finally, Conrad's advice and perspective on failure from his many years of building design-heavy startups. If you'd like to learn more about entrepreneurship or early stage investing, I would encourage you to check out a couple of our past episodes. First, I would recommend listening to our episode entitled Private Investing from the Top with Peter Bell, a chairman at Amity Ventures. Also, I would steer you towards an episode titled Navigating Y Combinator with Connor McCarter, a founder of Prequel. These episodes are great resources for, for all of you thinking about or actively trying to launch a startup. It can also provide you with advice and insight from some of the smartest investors and founders in the startup and tech space. So as always, guys, if you have any guests or topics that you'd like us to cover in the future, please feel free to reach out to us on our website. And with that, thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.